Good morning, everyone, again. Good morning and welcome again to our Sunday morning service. God is in the midst of his church. God is in the midst of us even right now. Uh, that's our faith and that's our belief that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is in fellowship with us now. Uh, his Holy Spirit is in fellowship with us now as we gather, uh, as we meet. And I pray that this morning that you're, um, that we're all just really open to hear whatever God has to tell us and what God has to share with us uh, this morning. One of the most saddest things that I could ever see, that we could ever see, is someone who develops a hard heart, someone who's resistant to the word of God, someone who's disinterested in the things of the Lord, who grows into this place of complacency or disinterest or hardness of heart where they need the, the hand of God to uh, break up that hard ground uh, so that the rain, when the rain falls, is able to penetrate that ground and really nourish that ground again. And I pray this morning that uh, if you have been experiencing for a long while, if you have been experiencing this, this hardness of heart, I pray that this morning even you would come to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and very simply just say, Lord, you need to do it in me. You need to work this in me uh, because there's nothing in my strength that could break up this ground again and bring yourself before the Lord. You bring yourself before the Lord. You ask the Lord this morning and say, Lord Jesus, break up this hard ground in my heart and allow your Holy Spirit to work in me this morning, to speak to my heart this morning, to refresh my soul this morning, because that's what the Lord Jesus Christ came to do. And we're absolutely privileged in uh, being part of this kingdom, this work, this ministry that never dies and that the gates of hell will never prevail against. It's an interesting phrase you just heard sung right now. It's an interesting phrase when we say um, that Jesus Christ was a was the one slain, you know, for our sins. This this language that we use as Christians, he was crucified, he was slain, he was you know, uh, he hung on a cross. All these things is because that's what happened to him. He needed to shed blood. The Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So he needed to shed blood. And this is all in the back of the Old Testament and what was happening in the Old Testament, how they went about uh, um, uh, uh, receiving the forgiveness of sins. And so um, Jesus Christ became the Lamb of God. He was the sacrifice. And that's why. And today, if, you put our, if we put our faith in this, in him and what he did on the cross, then we are forgiven. We receive the remission of sins, the forgiveness of sins. And how beautiful is that? Well, I'll tell you what, there's something even more beautiful. He takes us from a place of forgiveness to a place that becomes like him that we are in the process of becoming more and more like him. And that's absolutely uh, our privilege as Christians to find ourselves growing deeper and deeper into the image of Christ. The path of the just, the Bible says, grows even brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. And that's what we pray is your experience. That's what we pray as a church becomes all our experience, but the path just grows brighter and brighter. If you are here for the first time, we do welcome you um, on, on this forum and we look forward to meeting you face-to-face. -face. If you've joined us during the Zoom time uh, and during lockdown, then, yeah, we're looking forward to meeting you face-to-face -face as well. But stay connected uh, with, with each other. I want to pray this morning. Let's ask the Lord's blessing this morning uh, on all that is going to be said this morning and also all that is happening at the moment. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. We come before you. Uh, with hearts that are ready to receive from you. 
Lord, if there's anyone among us that acknowledges that their heart has been hard, I just pray right now, Heavenly Father, that your Holy Spirit may speak to them, may comfort them, may help them, Lord, to come before you with humility and a readiness to receive what you want to say to them. Bless your church, Father, and bless your people. Father, and I pray that your spirit may move this morning as we fellowship together, speaking and changing lives for your glory and for your good. Heavenly Father, I pray for this morning that you may continue to work through your word as we bring it before you, Father, to receive all that you want to give us. We pray for those that are unwell, that you continue your hand be upon them for strength and for healing. And, Lord, we just pray that your hand be upon all that we do now. In Jesus' name. Amen. So if uh, you remember last week, we, we started this interesting journey with the children of Israel in the wilderness when they came to the promised land and what we what we assume to be quite early in their in their journey out of Egypt, they came to the promised land, the book of Numbers, and and 12 of their leaders, not necessarily soldiers, not necessarily brave, strong men, they could have been, but 12 of their tribe leaders were asked to go and spy out the land. And this this passage in the book of Numbers is really significant for us today. <clears throat> we need to um, think about what this is trying to say to us as people of faith who are part of a kingdom where we are called to go out and do a work. We're called to be a certain people. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And this isn't here by accident, of course, and this isn't here by coincidence. This is here in the Old Testament for our purpose and for our sake and for our learning that we may come to a place of realisation that anything that we try and do with the arm of flesh or the arm of or in our own strength, so to speak, is destined to fail. Uh, yes, you might see little results and little fruit, but for the kingdom of God, what we want to be able to do is work with the arm of faith because what we see is that there's the nature of man and then the nature of faith. And you see here directly, directly, two groups of people, much fewer working in the arm of faith and much more working with the arm of the flesh. And and I and I we need to look at this and consider well, what is God what is God trying to say to us here? And if we 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 love the word as we ought to love the word, this passage here ought to be for us an instruction and a learning and a teaching to understand more of what God is doing and how we as his people should be responding to this. And I said last week that in the book of Numbers, uh, in the Old Testament, there's so many rich stories, so many, so much rich teaching that we ought to be. Uh, receiving and learning from so that we can understand what God's heart is uh, in this, these stories and what he's required of us in these stories as well. And my, my question last week was very simple. If God is asking us to do something, is he setting us up to fail? If God wants us to do something, if God calls us to do something, is he doing it because he wants us to experience failure? I don't think so. 
What is God? When God sets out to do something, though there are struggles and challenges and suffering along the way, ultimately, ultimately, God is doing it because He's going to be glorified through this. It's going to bring fruit for His glory. That's success, if you like. If if a Christian has to define success, it's very simple. Was God glorified in this situation? Was did Jesus receive the glory in this circumstance? And so here is a, a story where God is reminding us. Of, of what he's calling people to do and how they're going to respond. And ultimately, who's receiving the glory here? Is God getting the glory because the people are able to stand firmly upon the word of God or the promises of the Lord? There is value in remembering the promises of God in the scriptures. But that value is, is very limited if we don't... Uh, 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 make it real for us and, and by faith walk in these promises so that we can actually experience the very things that our Lord Jesus Christ has granted for us to have. And so, so this story is, again, the people of Israel have, have we, we assume, just, just come out of Israel, uh, Egypt as slaves. They're fairly early on in their journey in the wilderness, maybe a year or two, and, they, and they're coming across uh, there at their fingertips, at their fingertips is the promised land. Um, and, and they are asked, the, the, the men of the tribe, the leaders of Israel were asked to go and spy out the land and to bring back word for God's people who were there in the wilderness. What is the land like? Come back. Is it good? Is it, is it a stronghold? Is it camps? Is it, what's, the, what's the land like? And to bring back uh, feedback, to bring back your evaluation of of the land and they did that and if you remember last week they brought back big clusters of grapes they brought their, their pomegranates they brought their figs and now and now they're just about to give this feedback back to the people and if you recall they spied out the land 40 days now that's an interesting phrase because we talked about last week how the 40 days is typically in the scriptures a time of trial and a time of judgment or a time of proving and so here they were, the leaders of Israel, having for 40 days to spy out the land, and really it was going to test them. It was going to test them. How were they going to respond to what they saw and how were they going to respond to what was put before them and how they were going to tackle the very things that God had for them? It was their testing, proving time. So they come back. They come back after 40 days of spying out this land and now they're about to give uh, an account or an evaluation of what, they, of what they saw. And the rest of this chapter, I want to finish today, the rest of this chapter is what happens here and how they respond to this. And we won't go into chapter 14 today. Um, God willing, that'll be, that'll be next week. But I want to look at how these people responded. And really, at the end of the day, it is a question for us to be able to uh, consider the things that are happening in our lives and say, well, how, how are we responding to the very obstacles of life if you like or the challenges of life if you like because you see in this story that some some are able to respond in faith and others with the arm of flesh there is no option for the christian god doesn't say to us you know what for most times i want you to respond in the arm of faith and you know what i understand sometimes just yeah go ahead and just respond in the arm of, of the flesh as if god gives permission sometimes for us to do that there is no option in, in amongst the children of god god is calling us 
in every circumstance to respond in faith. And Joshua and Caleb are a great example of this. We want to be like Joshua and Caleb. We want the faith of Joshua and Caleb. And today I believe this can be us. This is what God has, God, this is what God has placed this here for us. So let's go through verse at a time and uh, have a look at what the scripture tells us in regards to this. So it's Numbers 13 again, uh, the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 13, if you may have forgotten from last week. And just have, and, and having heard the little summary of what we read last week, let's start uh, from verse 25, of course. And they return from spying out the land after 40 days. And that's where we finish. Now, verse 26. Now, they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruits of the lands. This is a very, very critical moment in history, in Israel's journey, in the history of their journey through the wilderness. You could probably highlight a few, a few critical moments in Israel's journey through the wilderness. This was definitely one of them. Where, where God's, where the leaders of the tribes have gone to spy out the land, and as leaders, they're coming back now. And the Bible says they're coming back, and they're about to give feedback to the leaders, and they're about to give feedback to the people. The people are about to hear what these men have seen. Now you got to remember these, um, these, uh, the congregation. Now I think with Moses and Aaron, I think Moses and Aaron are pretty settled in their heart. I think Moses and Aaron were like. Yeah, God's giving us the land and waiting in anticipation, waiting and expecting for the word to be one of faith and of promise and of hope. Let's go. We've got this. Yeah. But for the people, for the people, that's another story. They would have been there in the wilderness. They would have been, you know, waiting for 40 days. The anticipation would have grown. Perhaps they, there were parents with whining children, children who were restless, children who were hungry. And here this is this is sense of anticipation of what's happening, what's going on. When they come back, what are they going to say? You know, our, our hope rests in what these men are going to say. And maybe for the people, it was a bit of a different situation that they put their, perhaps they were putting some of their hope and, and, their, and their confidence in something that they shouldn't have been putting their hope and confidence in. And as time went on and as the days went on, you think about it for yourself. When you're waiting for something, you're waiting for some news, maybe you've gone for a job and you're waiting for the phone call or something's happening, you're waiting for news. You know, one, two, three, four days seems like a long time. This is 40 days. They're waiting to hear what they're going to do. Are we going to get in? Is, have we arrived? Is this it? No more wilderness? You know, it's been a, been a hard gig so far. Is that it? There's no more wilderness now? So for the people stirring up, this is a very, very critical moment. What are you going to do with their faith? What are you going to do for their faith? And as leaders, as leaders, and you know, I want you not to think of yourself, you know, I don't want you to think of this as the lead, as this is for the leaders, although it is for the leaders as well. And as, and as someone who leads, I take this seriously too. But I want you to place yourself as one of these leaders because as Christians, this is where we're at. We are to be called, we are called to be people of faith. We are called to go and face the enemy or face 
the promise of God and claim by faith. So I want you to place yourself as one of these 12, no matter who you are, no matter what role you have, no matter how long you've been a Christian, I want you to say, okay, as one of these 12, what do I do and how do I respond? So this is a critical moment. They're bringing back word to the people. They're bringing back um, word to Moses and Aaron. And listen to another reason why it's very critical. They're in the wilderness, in the wilderness of Paran. So they're not in some comfy scenario. They're not in some, you know, lounge room, feet up scenario where they're thinking, oh, yeah, whatever happens, happens. They are desperate. They are in the wilderness, and I'm sure they're tired of it. And so what they say is going to play a big role for the people of God. It's going to be uh, quite significant in, 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 in how they communicate this to them. Now, I wonder, listen, I wonder, as people of faith, did they understand the intensity and the severity of what they were about to communicate? I wonder. I wonder if people of faith, they're, they're recognising the power of their tongue the power of their words? Or were they so moved by their own carnality and fleshliness and, 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 and humanness that they just thought to themselves, I'm just going to say it and I'm not going to think about the impact of it because they were so consumed by, by them, by, by self. You know, the Bible speaks volumes about the power of the tongue doesn't it? We know that. And as a people of faith, the people of faith understand it's not the, not the words, but we know it comes from a place in the heart. But the Bible tells us that even the words, even the words are very powerful. And what, we, and, and, and what can take a second to say or two seconds to say can last for years the impact, 20 years, 30 years the impact because someone has decided not to hold their tongue and not to speak words as ought to be spoken. Have you had that experience before? Do you still think about something someone said 20, 30 years ago? Do you still think about something that someone has said to you uh, six months ago or a year ago still plays on your mind? Because what someone says is very powerful, particularly if it comes from a place of carnality. And these people of faith should have known this, that what they were about to say was critical and it was in a critical moment because of where the people of God are at. And so they had to, they should have remembered, remembered to put the Lord first in this, to, to if you like, tame their tongue and allow the words they speak to be words of faith. Brothers and sisters, I want you to think about this this week. Can I encourage you, urge you to think about the words you use? As people of faith, may the words that you use be words that build. May the words that you use be words that reflect people who have hope. And the words that you use be words that do not damage and destroy the faith of others, nor tear down the, the image of God, but let it be to the glory of God. Now, listen, I'm not saying that every word you have to speak, therefore, has to say praise the Lord, glory to God, God is good. God bless you. I'm not saying that's, that's how we glorify God, 
that is only a part of what we do that glorifies God. But may the words we speak be words that are honourable, that people hear our words and feel lifted because they are words by God's spirit or rather who are in tune with God's word. Or are we people who are critical, sharp, people who are offensive, people who tear down, people who are, are, are not uplifting. And so these words for the Christian who are people of hope, to understand the difference, we are people of promise, ought to be words, not superficial, but words of understanding and meaning and connection and love and support and care because this is the heart of Christ. And sometimes our words are silence because that's what is needed, just silence. But we speak volumes through our silence. I want to share with you a couple of scriptures, for example, and uh, you probably know surprised you that they're from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18, listen to what it says, Proverbs chapter 18. Death and life, listen, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Can you get anything more extreme? The writer is saying that your tongue has the power to kill and the power to give life. That's powerful, brothers and sisters. Now, as the people of God, we know that we are an aroma. We know that we are an aroma that either uh, it is, is going to be a nice smelling aroma or for some it's going to be a smell of death. We understand that. That's got nothing to do about what I'm saying. But what we say and how we say it, are, are we people who kill with our words or people who give life with our words? Are we able to speak hope into people's situations or are we able to speak or do we speak despair because it's coming or even a place of jealousy or envy or greed? And so therefore this is what people experience and communicate, uh, feel communicated. So the Bible tells us that there is death and life in the power of the tongue and those who love it, presumably the tongue, those who love it, um, will eat its fruits. So kind of like whatever way you go, you're going to eat its fruit. But there is. And I reckon there are people in this world who know that, who aren't Christians. They know that. They know there's the power in the tongue. And so deliberately they speak to kill. They speak to destroy. They speak to tear down so they can crawl over and on top of others. Because this is true. And may we, who are the people of promise, are able, through understanding the God that we serve, able to speak life into the lives of other people because Jesus brings this to them. And no matter how young or old you are, you're able to do this. Listen to another one, this time Proverbs 12. There is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. <laughs> Have you felt that before? Now, this isn't meant to be uh, a positive thing. We know that words of truth can cut and hurt and heal uh, you know, sin and problems. That, that's okay because faithful are the wounds of a friend. We, I get that. But I'm not talking about this here. The Bible is saying here when we speak and, and there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. What these men were about to say were like a sword that were about to pierce the hearts of the people in a bad way. 
And I said, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. But the tongue of the wise promotes health. Did you get that? The tongue of the wise is able to speak words that promotes the well-being of someone else, the care of someone else. And what's interesting is this, brothers and sisters, how we speak to our own family and then how we speak to the people outside our family. Isn't that interesting? How we're more likely to use piercings of a sword within our family and then when someone comes over, oh, all of a sudden we're using words that promote health to our family. It's like, oh, but what about an hour ago what you said to me? And so, so we need to be more careful. We need to be careful in the areas that we're more tempted in and, and, and perhaps our defences are down more. Again, there's no excuse. We want to we we be people who promote health to whoever we're speaking. We want to care for the well-being, whether it be our wives, our husbands, our children, our parents, and, and beyond the, 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 the home. And so this is what people of faith do. It's hard work. It's the taming of the tongue. It's the being careful about what we say. That is hard work. But by faith, we ask the Lord Jesus Christ to grant us strength to be able to do this so that we are not piercing like a sword, but rather we are promoting with health. This was a critical moment that these men were about to speak. They were about to communicate something to the people. What were they going to say? Look at verse 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us and it truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. What they're saying here, brothers and sisters, is they go to the land and they bring back this, this, this report to the people of God. And what they say to the people is, it's a fantastic land. It's flowing with milk and honey. What a beautiful description. What a combination of elements that are, are beautiful. If you, you can just imagine a milk with honey. It's just an, an incredible uh, picture of what is pleasant and soothing and smooth and delightful and, and all those things that it comes with a land that flows with milk and honey. And the other reference that they make here, uh, and this is its fruit. Look, look at the cluster of grapes. Look at the pomegranate. And I, I kind of suspect that was, it wasn't like, look at the pomegranate. I kind of suspect it was, look at the pomegranate. And so this is, this is a land that they are um, uh, speaking highly of. You know, it's interesting. It's not hard. Listen, it's not hard to speak highly of the things of God. It's not hard for people to say, Christians or non-Christians, to say things like, oh, yeah, you know, um, it's good to have a faith in God. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, the things in the Bible, they're good words. They're good words. They're helpful words. They're, they're words that help, help life. 
Oh, you know, a classic is when you see parents say things like, I, I like my kids to learn the Bible. I like my kids to go to Sunday school because I want to I want to help them become, you know, have a good foundation. And I want I want them to to know that there's perhaps a God that cares for them. And, and so they speak highly of the, of the things of God. It's not hard to look at the Bible and all the things that God promises and all the way God promises to support and care and look after and nurture his, the people who, who um, his people and the people who put their trust in him. It's really easy to speak highly of the things of God for others. But what's interesting here, brothers and sisters, you can sense by what they're saying that there's a but coming. Can't you? You get, there's a sense, it's like, oh, the Bible is an awesome book. It's, it's got so many good values and it's got great principles. And, and, and yeah, we shouldn't, we should, we should, it's good to read it. And, but because once it becomes about person's commitment to the things that they're speaking so highly about, all of a sudden it is highly likely that you're going to get a but. And brothers and sisters, I want you this week to think about this little three-letter word that has huge implications and huge ramifications for the person's faith. The word of God is saying this, but. I want you to think this week about this little word, three-letter word, that can change the course in which you take, that can take you from being joyful to being depressed. This little three little word, this three little word that you can you can look and see what it is that God is saying and then finish with a but. Oh, it's great. I love the fact that my, my parents are Christians or I love the fact that my children go to Sunday school, but. And the thing is, people genuinely mean it. I like what the Bible says. They're not, they're not just mocking. They're not deceiving. I like the fact my parents are Christians. I like, I love the fact my child is learning the Bible at school or at church. They're genuine. But, or I understand these are the promises of God in my trial and in my temptation and in my struggle, but you didn't hear the way they spoke to me. But you didn't know, you don't know what he did to me. But and all of a sudden, this three little word, this three little word, this little word can have huge ramifications to how we respond and how our faith is. And brothers and sisters, I want us to think this week, how often we use this word. How often we use it. I want you to listen to yourself this week. Listen to yourself. When you think about your situation, when you see your situation, you think about the, the promises of God, how quick are you to say, but? Because what these guys are saying here, you, you get a sense, you get a sense that a but is coming. In fairness to them, the word is but. In fairness to them, in this version, the word is um, nevertheless. Nevertheless, it's, it's a longer word and probably harder for people. But nevertheless, verse 28, listen to what they say. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Now listen to the language here. The people, but the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified. <laughs> right, sorry. I'm just thinking the language they're using here because it's so relevant to us today. 
you know, it's it's how we think. You know, uh, uh, the land is strong, the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Remember last week we spoke about the descendants of Anak, the, the long-necked people, essentially tall, giant-like people. We saw them there. Uh, the cities were strong. They were fortified. In other words, there are problems everywhere. This is this is just too hard. And plus, to top it all off, there are giants in the land. You know, if it wasn't if it wasn't hard enough that the cities are fortified and and, and all these other issues, then we've got to contend with the giants. We've got to face the giants. That's you know, if you like, uh, uh, you know, kind of what was what was happening here. My question to these men and my question to myself that I need to ask myself and the question we can ask ourselves. Very simply, were these men walking by faith or by sight? Were these men driven by what they saw or by what God was promising? Was God setting them out to fail? Was God setting them out to, to overcome the enemy and take the land? Now, it's hard. It's very hard. I get it because what they saw is what they saw. And, and there was this process from what they saw through their minds into their hearts that somehow uh, diverted the word of God. And all of a sudden what they filtered, everything they saw, the lens in which they saw everything in was through what they could not do, what they thought they could not do. And now they're working with an arm of flesh. Now they're responding with the nature of man or the human nature. And now they're looking and living by sight and not by faith. Brothers and sisters, despite their report, was God still planning to accomplish his task, his will? His purpose, absolutely. They were either going to miss out or they were going to get on board. God wasn't going to be moved by their, whether they are going to accept it or not. God's purpose and plan was going to go straight ahead regardless of whether these people got on board or not. That train's moving and it's in its destination. And if they want to get off at the next platform, the next station, well, they can get off, but that train's still moving. And there are a lot of people along the way, sadly, who just drop off. And we see it from year to year as a church. It's, it's quite fascinating. We see it. The classic example is our, our annual camp. That's a classic example. Oh, so-and-so was with us last year. They're not with us anymore. Not at the camp, but as a fellowship. Why? Now, I'm not worried about whether they're with ANCF, but when they drift from the Lord, that's the problem. That's the heartache. So we don't live in presumption. We don't say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be like this forever. We live in faith. We are held because of faith. God is holding us. We're believing that because of him, because of him, we keep going. These men... This, the, 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 the plan of God was going to be accomplished whether these men were on board or not. So they begin this, um, uh, this communication 
of 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 uh, humanness, if you like, which is going to cause a lot of issues for them and for a lot of people. Look at verse twenty nine. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites and the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. In other words, they're saying there's problems everywhere. Everywhere we look, the mountains, the sea, the land, they've got it covered. There's no way in. We're not going to just tell me where are we going to, how are we going to do it? They're everywhere. Yeah, those situations where it just seems one thing keeps going wrong after the other. You know, you get up in the morning and all it just things just don't seem to go well. You spill the milk, you burn the toast, the hot water runs out, and then you get on the road to go to work and it's traffic unexpected and it's only 7.45 a.m. You think it's everywhere. It just keeps happening. And in that moment, in that moment, by faith, you believe God is good. God is good. And I tell you what, when you believe that, then the words that come from your mouth don't pierce people when you get to work. It's words of hope, words of life, because you believe in the goodness of God. So they're saying yeah, there's problems, there's problems everywhere. Verse 30. Then Caleb, here we go. We need a man of God, we need a woman of God, we need a person of faith to stand. Caleb quieted the people. It was like, boys, settle down. Take a chill pill. Relax. Pause. Just pause for a moment. I've got something to say. It's like Caleb is trying to say to them, just relax for a moment. Let's put this into perspective. Let's bring it back to faith. Let's see what God is doing. He says here, verse 30, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. And take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. <laughs> it's interesting. And Caleb is saying, are you serious? We can do this. Now, I don't believe Caleb is saying, oh, I can do this. Because look how strong I am. I've been working out. I've got this ready to go. No, because when Caleb says we can do this, we can overcome this, is because he's trusting, not through what he's seeing, but he's trusting in the power of the living God. He's speaking like David spoke to Goliath the giant and said, you come to me with swords, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's what Caleb is doing. It's the same spirit. It's the same spirit of David and it continues to be the same spirit of Christians today. We come in the name of the Lord. Nothing stops God. Nothing stops God. The kingdom of God will not, sorry, the gates of hell will not prevail against God's kingdom. Pandemic doesn't stop God. In fact, people in churches in Victoria have proven again and again, not even a pandemic can stop the power of God. Working and changing lives, even through this circumstance we're in. So Caleb quietens the people. One person stands up. It's a bit like that lady who, when they were all touching Jesus, they were just all kind of hovering around Jesus, big crowds, big crowds. They were just, yeah, they were there touching Jesus and sort of bumping into him and, 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 and you know, being physically close to him, but, but not of faith. But then there was one lady who had a serious problem that continued to grow worse that touches him. And then at that moment, Jesus says, who touched me? 
And that's why his disciples were confused. What do you mean, Lord, who touched me? There's so many people here touching you. But he knew there was one. One touched him by faith. And she was healed. He did go. Go in peace and be healed of this plague. One person touched him by faith. Oh, many people were close to him. Many people heard him. They heard the promises. Oh, what a beautiful man. I love this man. I want to follow this man. I want to walk with this man. Oh, it's so good to see this man. How awesome this man is. He's healing people. But one person truly touched him. So Caleb was that one. This is who we are. This one is representation of the true Christian. Do you understand? This one is what the true Christian is. It's what the believer is. It's the walk of faith who touches and believes in the things of God, who holds to what God is saying. Uh, verse 31, but the, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to, to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. It's interesting, isn't it? It's so interesting because despite what Caleb is saying, they, they, they choose to resist rather than reflect. They choose to resist what is going on here. Listen to what they say. For they are stronger than we. Yeah, exactly. They are. <laughs> That's what Christianity is all about. That's what faith is all about. You think God's going to send you off and say, you've got to have faith, you've got to have faith, and send you off, send you off against ants? Oh, you've got to have faith. Yeah, there's the ants. And what faith is that? God sends us off. And it requires faith. Listen, because they are stronger than us. That's what faith is. And this is, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, this is why the, 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 the danger of presumption for the Christian must be, you must watch out for. When we start to think to ourselves, we can do ministry. Yeah, we're good at it. Yeah, we've read all the books about it. We can do um, parenting. Yeah, we're, we're all, we're all uh, knowledged up. We can do marriage. Really cool, yeah, because we've gone to heaps of seminars and, and so forth. With the kingdom of God, getting involved in the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. You know, we just, we just, we've got systems in place. The, the danger of presumption in the church is, and, and in families is really we must be careful of because you can't do it. Unless Jesus is at the center of everything you are and everything you're prepared to do. For you to come in the name of the Lord of hosts and never think to yourself, I can do this and become self-confident without the Lord's help. And then finally, verse 32 and verse 33. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which Israel had, sorry, which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as, um, as spies is the land that devours its inhabitants. Listen to the language. It devours its inhabitants. Did they see that? Well, they now are they imagining that? You know, they eat up their people. What, were you th what are you thinking? Like, why, are you, why are you taking what you see and making it worse? Um, and is a land that the inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Here's that, that, that thing again. 
Then we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak that came from the giants, and they were like, uh, sorry, and we were like grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were in their sight. Well, hang on a second. Did they see them, first of all? But anyway, the point being, the point being, this imagination of things that keeps growing into something that really is, is far from the promises and the truth of God. Oh, my, they're giants and we're like grasshoppers. They're going to squish us and squash us. I don't know. Why did they use this strategy? You know, I was contemplating, why did they use this strategy? And, and, and I'm about to give you some ideas, but I'm not even suggesting it could be any of these. But you might have a better idea. Why did they use this strategy? Did they use it because they, there were still remnants of what it felt like to be in slavery and they, they were carrying this, this sense of yeah, we're, just, we're just slaves and we're done? You know, you know it's like the person who comes out of slavery as a Christian and, and then faces their first uh, challenge of the, the thing that they were addicted to and, and they think, I'm done. All my life I've been doing it. I'm done again. Look, now as a Christian, I'm facing it. You know, did, did they carry, did they carry the, 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 the beliefs, the mindset of their slavery into this situation rather than this is a new situation and, and a God that's promising them new things? Could be that. Were they saying it because, number two, were they saying it because maybe they were hoping they're going to get a lot of people on their side by saying it? Maybe if we get enough people, then, you know, kind of we have a, 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 a team that, uh, the, the, you know, the masses will speak on our behalf. Maybe. Were they saying at number three that they would make themselves feel better? You know, if we say that we, we comfort ourselves. Or they're saying giants and grasshoppers just to create a sense of, you know, defending their reason or their logic, which really was illogical. But it felt okay because they had a defence, you know, they had a, an evidence, so to speak, for their for their uh, uh, weak faith. Brothers and sisters, it's a really interesting passage where really challenges where our faith is grounded. And as our faith is tested and tried, we can, a people have come out of slavery today. We're a people who no longer trust in what used to happen. But finding our faith more today than what God is saying. Trusting that. Believing in, 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 in the promises. Not just in what our faith is in, but who our faith is in. And what we'll see next week, this approach not only was a sign of the weakness of their faith, but also how it began to impact the faith of others, which is, which is a huge issue. But rather today, brothers and sisters, let's remember and be encouraged. Yes, there will be what seems to be giants in the land, but the faith of Caleb that was able to quieten the people, not use but, as a reason, but to have faith and to believe, yes, they are there before us, but God has gone before us and God has promised us, and this is what I choose to hold on to. 
when it all seems like it can't be restored, when it all seems it can't be repaired, when it all seems it can't be fixed. Well, this is where God's promise stands because he's faithful and he's true and his words are true. So, brothers and sisters, let's, let's be in love with what Jesus said and all his promises, but more, let's be in love with him and trust him and hold on. Touch him by faith, believing. Many people will touch him just daily, but to touch him by faith and to trust and to believe in the, in the things and the words and the promises that he has for us. May the Lord bless your weak brothers and sisters as you are able to see and discern and understand on the promises of God. Let me pray for us. Let me pray this morning. Father in heaven, thank you, God. Thanks. For your mercy and your goodness, Father, we are in desperate need of you. There are times, Father, that the giants around us and the land around us just seems too hard. Our faith seems weak, about to crumble. But Lord, remind us, I pray, that you go before us and that we go in the name of the Lord of hosts. You are good, Lord, and you are faithful. Bless my brothers and sisters, Lord, strengthen them. Strengthen them, Father, in this faith. Strengthen us all in this faith. And may the words we speak be words of hope, flowing from a heart that continues to believe in who you are and what you're doing. We thank you, Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.